I'm Dave Breckenridge, and you're listening to 10-3. Should consenting adults be allowed to strap on the gloves, step into a ring, and beat the daylights out of each other? Is the entertainment value and the payday worth the risk of potential harm or even death? Those are questions being raised after a Quebec-based boxing champ wound up in hospital with a life-threatening brain injury. We look at the fallout from the fight and why people want to see prize fighting get handed a final defeat. It's Thursday, December 13th. Before we get to our conversation, I just want to thank all of you who've been listening to this show in the six months since we've launched. We're hoping to see the show grow in 2019, so be sure to subscribe if you haven't yet done so. Leave us some feedback and be sure to tell your friends about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. Edie Austin is the editorial page editor for the Montreal Gazette. So, Edie, what happened in the fight between Adonis Stevenson and Alexander Zvodzdik? Well, Adonis Stevenson uh, was defending his light heavyweight title in Quebec City on December 1st. And so I did not see the fight, but by all accounts... What happened uh, was that he was hit uh, in the head several times. It was not anything that was considered to be uh, against the rules or any dirty maneuver by the opponent. Uh, Also, there's been no criticism that I've heard of the referee. It was all within the normal, you know, what's normal for boxing. But uh, he was hurt very badly. He was taken to hospital in Quebec City, underwent emergency surgery, apparently to relieve bleeding in the brain. And uh, according to the last medical report, which was about a week ago, the doctor said he was suffering severe traumatic brain injury. At that time, he was breathing with help and heavily sedated. And they said the prognosis was uncertain. It could be anything from death to complete recovery. They were not willing to make any predictions Mm -hmm. at that point. And I have not found any updates since then. So he could still presumably die from his injuries. Um, I suppose that's a possibility, but uh, you know, I'm I'm not in any position to speculate. I'm just mm-hmm. going by what the uh, doctor said at the press conference last week. Now Stevenson, it, he's forty, forty-one years old. He's kind of at the upper uh, age range of a lot of elite boxers. Has anyone raised concern about the length of his career or how long he'd been fighting? Is potential buildup to a, a possible injury like this? Uh, that I'm less clear about. I, From what I understand, I am no expert on boxing, and I certainly would not want anyone to think I was trying to present myself as such. Um, but from what I understand, he uh, began his career relatively late. So I'm not quite sure how many years he, in fact, was, was boxing. Mm-hmm. Now, while boxing is a, a popular sport, is kind of waned in some provinces over the years, it's still a big deal in Quebec. Is that cor- correct? I understand that uh, it is indeed a very popular sport here. What is the reaction being to the injury to Adonis Stevenson? Well, of course, in the first instance, people are very concerned. Uh, nobody wants to see anyone suffer any kind of permanent harm. Uh, people are very concerned for him. Uh, you know, it also raised concerns in some quarters about what the point of boxing is, whether it should continue. There were several doctors here who expressed their concern about boxing and just didn't see any justification for it. Mm -hmm. And indeed, it uh, focused our attention on the sport and led me to write an editorial 
calling for boxing to be made illegal because it just seems that there is not any justification uh, that at least I can see, that we can see for a so-called sport where the actual point of the sport is to punch somebody in the head, uh, something that we're understanding more and more uh, can do very permanent damage. You know, deaths are pretty rare, but we're starting to understand how much permanent damage it can do to the brain. Mm-hmm. Now, this uh, incident specifically is what uh, sparked your interest in in tackling this as a subject for an editorial. What was your thought process behind the writing of it? You know, I started the editorial with a comparison to gladiators in ancient Rome. And yeah, I think most of us now see that kind of spectacle as being pretty barbaric. Uh, but of course, most people, well, I don't have any polling data, but from what I understand, I'm, people don't generally think of boxing as barbaric. As you've, as you've noted, it's very popular. Uh, but the idea of people doing each other physical harm for popular entertainment, you know, maybe we just haven't progressed as, as a, a society or civilization as much as we like to think we have. Um, so that was the genesis of it. But in the course of writing an editorial, I like to anticipate what a counter uh, argument might be. Uh, so I address some of those. I mean, though, of course, there are some who would say, well, you know, you might not like boxing, but uh, people should be able to watch it. Uh, you know, you shouldn't impose your, your values or your taste on uh, on other people. And I would have a, a reply to that. Well, yeah, it, it you know, I and I can see where the argument would be is that we don't there are certain things that other people would want to do for their own personal entertainment that the state has said, no, you can't do that. You can't just go legally buy heroin on the street or exchange money for sex for your own enjoyment without uh, violating laws of the state. Yeah, well, the state makes, I mean, the state makes laws about lots of things. But in this particular case, uh, you know, without making any comparison to the examples you just mentioned, one uh, argument is, well, these are consenting adults. So if they're both in the ring, they're going to go at it. Um, you know, wh- who, are, who is someone else to tell them not to? There are limits in Canadian law to using consent as a defense. You know, certainly boxing is legal, or at least I should be more specific and say uh, officially sanctioned boxing matches are legal. Mm-hmm. I'm not a lawyer, but I believe in the criminal code there are prohibitions on certain types of boxing matches. But the kind of boxing match that Adonis Stevenson was engaging in was certainly legal. But there are are limits to consent. There was an interesting Supreme Court decision in 1991 called the Jobadon case. It didn't have anything to do with boxing. It it involved a fist fight outside a bar uh, in Sudbury in which someone got killed. And the defendant was making the legal argument that there was consent. Uh, And essentially what the court found was, well, consent is okay up to a point, but where there's someone is getting seriously hurt or non-trivial bodily harm is involved, consent doesn't work. And I mean, just to give you another example about the limits to consent in society, if consent were absolute, we wouldn't have had to uh, enact legislation on medically assisted death. Um, regardless of your opinion on that, uh, you know, my point here is not to discuss that so Mm -hmm. much as just to say, it was clear that consent was not sufficient in the law uh, prior to that. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had to enact some kind of law in order for that to be legal. We'll be right back. 
The National Post launched 20 years ago to be a distinctive and surprising voice in the media landscape. Though much has changed over the past two decades, what hasn't is the core appeal of a paper dedicated to conservative values, interesting voices, unique perspectives, and a sense of fun. Check out what you've been missing. Get 20% off a one-year subscription to the National Post with promo code HAPPY20. That's HAPPY20. So it's just, it's a matter of of the idea that yes they are consenting adults but you can't quite consent to having your face repeatedly hit when you're at risk of severe bodily harm. Well, you know, as as I was saying, I mean, I think the I think that's the principle in the law. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, the law does not prohibit uh you know, organized official boxing matches. Mm-hmm. But if you extend that argument, I think one could certainly make a case to argue that, in fact, that's what's involved in boxing. I mean, you would need a different court decision to to weigh that. And my argument would be, okay, well, I don't know if you would succeed in making that argument or not. But personally, I, I find it a persuasive argument because the more that we're learning about uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, um, CTE, which athletes who – engage in sports where there are a lot of concussions or uh, other non-concussive blows to the head. Uh, This is a condition that can be associated with that. And it's a very serious thing. It doesn't often manifest itself, you know, until a certain number of years have passed. And it's associated with memory loss, bouts of rage, impulsivity. It's a serious thing. Historically, people didn't quite realize what the impact is or what the non-trivial bodily harm was that could be associated with a sport like boxing. Mm -hmm. Which brings me to kind of what I imagine the next argument would be from detractors of the editorial. And they may say, well, what about football and hockey? Those are sports that both have a documented uh, history of repeated blows to the head, a problem with concussions. In the case of football, you've had high-profile cases, most recently uh, revelations being made about Aaron Hernandez, the former uh, New England Patriots uh, player who ended up uh, hanging himself in prison after being convicted of of some murders that he may have suffered from uh, CTE, um, that no one is calling for those sports to be banned. What would you say to those people who are making that argument that, well, There are other violent sports, but we don't need to ban them. So why would we ban boxing? I guess I would say a couple of things. First of all, the point of football is to uh, get touchdowns or kick field goals. The point of hockey is to put the puck in the net. The point of boxing is to pummel somebody senseless. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a bit of a difference there. Um, Yes, with respect to uh, hockey, there's checking. There are fights with football. There is also a lot of uh, violent physical contact. Um, but at least it's not the whole point of the game. I think for those sports, what is important is to change the rules, to discourage uh, fighting, for example, in hockey. Uh, I Personally, I think the rules against fighting in hockey should be a lot stronger. And also, where possible, to improve the equipment uh, to protect the players better. But you know, as with boxing, um, you know, headgear is not going to mitigate. I mean, it will mitigate damage, but it will not pre- prevent a concussion. Certainly football helmets have not prevented concussions. And even um, 
with respect to headgear for boxing, there are is starting to be uh, consideration of to what extent it does protect uh, boxers. Of course, pro fights don't use those, but to amateur generally do, except in the last uh, Olympics in 2016 for men in Rio, the boxers did not wear headgear, and that was because a study had found uh, that the headgear had made it worse. Really? Yeah, and uh, there were a few hypotheses about why headgear would make things worse, but... But, you know, one thing about the headgear, you know, boxers punch really hard. And uh, for one thing, the padding doesn't uh, won't save you from everything. And for another thing, if you get smacked on the jaw, your head whips back mm-hmm. and uh, that can uh, that doesn't prevent a concussion. I mean, that can, you know, won't help you there. Well, yeah, some people forget the inside of one's skull is not exactly a, a soft padded environment and the injury that can occur in a boxing ring comes from the brain rattling around in the skull. Um, You know, short of a a ban on boxing, do you think there's anything that authorities that oversee these sanctioned bouts can do to improve safety, whether it's on the refereeing side, whether it's on the duration of matches, or the idea that, you know, people need to be more thoroughly tested medically before and after each fight? to kind of figure out what some issues may be? Are, is there anything that you, they could do, do you think, that would make the sport safer? Um, undoubtedly, there are always ways to make uh, a sport safer. I don't doubt that there are, are steps that could be taken to improve matters, but I don't think that would answer the fundamental uh, concern, which is this is a so-called s- a sport where the point is to hurt somebody else, where it is reasonably foreseeable that people will get hurt. It's not just, I mean, you could get hurt playing tiddlywinks, I'm sure, but that's not the, um, it's not part of the game. It's not a a, a reasonably foreseeable consequence of the game. Mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, that, that wouldn't solve my concerns. Yeah. Is it, is it a concern just around deaths in the ring or severe long-term injury? I would say both because the severe long-term injuries are are exactly that. And, you know, because the, the number of deaths really is not, not I mean, any death, of course, is horrible, but it's not a huge number of deaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, what we are getting to understand is uh, with CTE, it, it really does cause a lot of damage in a lot of cases. And I think that there is a limit and there should be a limit uh, that we agree to as a society to say, okay, there people in some ways, and I know this will sound paternalistic or maternalistic, but uh, sometimes people have to be protected from uh, from their own poor decisions. And I think that, uh, yes, a society should not be a total nanny state protecting everybody from everything and wrapping all citizens in bubble wrap. But on the other hand, um, where you have a situation where people could be putting themselves in a situation where they're going to suffer long-term permanent damage, uh, I think that there should be rules about that. I mean, as a society, we ban dogfighting. Why should we have less consideration for people? Mm-hmm. And you could perhaps argue, well, people can consent and the dogs can't. But, you know, there I would go back to my argument about consent. Well, you raised some uh, really interesting points. It is a fascinating discussion. And obviously, you know, the 
boxing fans and, and others around the country uh, waiting for potentially good news on uh, Adonis Stevenson's condition. Uh, Edie, thanks very much for your time. Well, thank you very much. Here's what else is happening. China has confirmed the arrest of a former Canadian diplomat, officials here said Wednesday, but it was revealed that a second Canadian may have been detained by Chinese authorities as well. Foreign Affairs Minister Christia Freeland said the government had been contacted by a person who claimed to have been questioned by Chinese authorities in the wake of the detention of Michael Kovrig. Attempts to make further contact with this second individual have so far been unsuccessful. Meanwhile, Canada has asked to see Michael Kovrig, whose detention was confirmed via fax from the Chinese government. Chinese media has reported that Kovrig is, quote, suspected of participating in activities that harm China's national security, end quote. His detention came after Canadian officials arrested Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou on U.S. charges. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama, edited by Carrie Ann Sproul. Technical support this episode from Emma McKay. Thanks to my guest, Edie Austin. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.